Welcome to the Broken Vessels Podcast. Jeremiah 18.4 states, And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. This is the Broken Vessels Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Simpkins. This is a podcast where we have discussions on theological themes for the broken to bring encouragement and hope in Christ. And I'm very thankful that you're here to join me today on the Broken Vessels podcast. And uh, we've discussed a lot recently in the last several episodes talking about why we're broken, why we are in the state that we are in, in this world, and as individuals dealing with brokenness as a result of sin, sin as a result of the fall, sin as a result of the fall that has affected creation, sin that has affected us, which then perpetuates our own sin. And we've talked much about what the answer to that is. We've talked about the cross being the answer, being where that was rectified, where reconciliation was made possible. Christ said on the cross, it is finished. What did he mean by that? Well, what we're going to do today, I don't have a guest today, but I thought to myself, I'd really like for us to just talk about the gospel. What is the gospel? What does it mean for us? Why is it the answer to our brokenness. So what we're going to do today is we are going to go through some passages in Ephesians. This is a wonderful book. It's just a book that is just filled with the truth of the gospel. It is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul, uh, written to the Christians at Ephesus. It was written to both Jews and Gentiles, and it was to help them to understand that this mystery of God, of the gospel, has been that has been hidden for ages, it has now been made known to us in Jesus Christ. I just want to go basically through this book and talk about what the gospel means for us in our brokenness. I'm going to go ahead and start with Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, this book, and I'm going to just comment along the way. Anybody that knows me (laughs) knows that I love reading the Word of God. And when I'm having a discussion with someone when it comes to the gospel, I will go to a passage of Scripture, and I will read it, and I will just talk about it and just talk about the argument that the apostle is making in the passage and show how he is proclaiming the truth of the gospel. That's what we're going to do today. So, 
I'm going to start off with Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. By the will of God. He was not an apostle on his own. He was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That's God's sovereignty. God chose him. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, he is writing to faithful saints. He is writing to Christians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And that beloved is Jesus Christ. In him, the beloved, Jesus Christ, in him, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Oh, brothers and sisters, you cannot get away from the fact that God in his sovereignty is the one that saves you. You can't get away from it. When you read this, it's in black and white. It's the truth. Verse 12, So that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We have not acquired that possession of it yet. Because we have the already not yet dynamic that is going on as we live in this life, as we live in the brokenness of this life. But, oh, brothers and sisters, we have it now. We have it now. It is a guarantee, and it is coming. 
He goes on in verse 15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul does this very often. He he encourages the believers in the churches that he is remembering them in his prayers. He prays for other believers. That's something that we should take hold of. And we should pray for those in the body of Christ to be faithful. Not on their own, not by their own ability or will, but by God's will, that God would work faithfulness into their lives. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Brothers and sisters, the church is important. The body of Christ is important. The community of faith is important. And the gospel being disseminated within the body is important. It is a necessity for us. It is a necessity for us as believers to be healed of our brokenness. And we've talked about in this podcast that we may never be healed fully and completely until the end, until the day of redemption, until the day that Christ comes and takes us home to be with him and with the Father in heaven. But, oh, brothers and sisters, we can be together building one another up in love and being healed by that in this life and in this world. Chapter 2, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sun's of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We've talked at length about why that is, why without Christ, We were children of wrath. 
we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We carried out the desires of our flesh. We lived not only in body, but also in mind with the thinking of this world and of the flesh. But even though we were dead in those trespasses, even though we were dead in those trespasses and sins. Verse 4, but God, I love that. I love that transition. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You notice a theme here? Your salvation, brothers and sisters, it has absolutely nothing to do with you, with your effort, or with your faithfulness. It is all a work of the grace of a God who sent his son to die on the cross for you. What a glorious blessing. We literally are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We, when God the Father looks at you, child of God, when he looks at you, you are justified, not because of you, not because of what you've done, but because of the justification that you have because of the substitutionary atonement of Christ. He sees you as he sees his own son. What does Paul say then? This is a very familiar passage right here, verses 8, 9, and 10. I memorized these verses as a child, but they have so much weight when you really think about what it really means for the gospel and when you look at it in the context of this verse, when you really look at it in the context of this passage. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Why? So that no one may boast. Child of God, the grace that has been given to you gave you the faith that you have in Christ Jesus. And it's not a result of your works, as verse 9 tells us. Why? So that you may not boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Are there good works for you to do? There certainly are. There certainly are. And they were prepared beforehand by God for you to walk in them. But how are we able to do that? Well, it's through Christ. Verse 11, therefore remember 
that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, the people of God, and strangers to the covenants of promise, which were given to the people of God, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise God for that. I am so thankful that me, as a Gentile believer, I have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came, Christ came, and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. And through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Is that not good news? Is that not good news to know that you have access in the Spirit together with all of the people of God to the Father? So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles And the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Chapter 3, Paul goes on. So Paul is sharing with us how this mystery was made known to him by Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. He tells the Ephesians, he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles, that's you and me, most of us here, our fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, Paul, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. That's humility right there. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, there we go again, it's through the church, God's people, God's community of faith, 
the covenant people of God, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Is that not amazing? You can have boldness and you have access with confidence through your faith in Christ. So what does Paul tell us then in verse 13? So I ask you not to lose heart what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Don't lose heart over the suffering that you see in others or in yourself because God in Christ has a purpose in the suffering and the brokenness in your lives through the gospel. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Hear that again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, not through your works, not through your effort, not through your faithfulness, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's assent, knowing the truth about Christ, believing in the truth about Christ, setting your gaze toward the truth about Christ and resting in that. That is faith. So it's the faith that we have in Christ that you being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love, that's the love that we have in Christ, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, that power being the power of the gospel through the Spirit of God in Christ Jesus, to him be glory in the church, not in our individual lives, but in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel. It is Christ for you. It is Christ in you. The hope of glory. We've talked a lot about the brokenness that we face in our lives. We've talked a lot about the brokenness that we face as a result of the sin-cursed world that we live in. But, oh, brothers and sisters, there is hope in Christ. There is hope in the power of the gospel for you. There is hope in faith, in believing in Jesus Christ, in putting your faith and trust in him. I've just explained what that means. What are the categories 
of saving faith, what you would call in Reformed biblical confessional terms, the fiduciary categories. You must have knowledge. You must know what the truth is. But knowing the truth is not enough. You must assent to the truth. That's saying, yes, that's true. I believe that truth. And what's the third category? You trust or rest in that truth. You accept it. You receive it. You rest in it. You believe it. You know it. You know that that truth is for you. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters in Christ, when you look at faith in that way, it will transform your life. It will not only transform your life, but it will heal the brokenness in your life. It will heal the brokenness of your sin. It will heal the brokenness of the sin done to you. And it will heal the brokenness of the sin that you experience because of this world. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. Anyone that tells you that the gospel is about changing your life so that you can have a better life here in this earth is lying to you. That is not the truth. The truth of the gospel is simply this. Trust Christ. Rest in Christ. He's your only hope. And his kingdom is coming. His kingdom truly is here. But he is coming one day to redeem all of us. Ultimately, when he takes us home to be with him. And he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. He's truly going to heal all of the brokenness then. But brothers and sisters, even in the here and now, even in the already and not yet scenario that we live in, the gospel is the answer for your life and for the pain that you experience and struggle with. Look to Christ. Look to the truth of who he is for you. Not who you are. Not what you've done. But you can be forgiven by the grace of God through the finished work of Christ for you. That is the gospel. And I just wanted to share that with you today from the word of God. The gospel is the answer to our brokenness. And that is always going to be the theme of this podcast as I share it with you every week. That is going to be the foundation of what underlies and undergirds everything that we talk about, every subject. The gospel has got to be our comfort. Christ is our only hope in life and in death, as Heidelberg 1 tells us. And although a confession is not inspired scripture, it is based on inspired scripture. Child of God, look to Christ. Rest in Christ. Know that he is your hope. Thank you for joining me today for the Broken Vessels Podcast. The Broken Vessels Podcast is on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. You can also join our Facebook group, the Broken Vessels Podcast Facebook group. Join us next week as we discuss theological themes for the broken to bring hope in Christ.